Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profiles and Projections presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Justin, today's uh, episode, we got an offensive player, defensive player, as usual, but not as usual. Both these guys are former Cleveland Browns. Fun fact there for you. Uh, I like to do fun facts for these episodes, so there's a fun fact for you. There you go. That's your fun fact. Both of these guys are also former first-round picks from the Cleveland Browns, which I'm sure some fans, if maybe if you're a more casual fan, you didn't know that this Corey Coleman guy, who you know, he may be our fourth or fifth wide receiver on the depth chart this year, he's a former first-round pick, and it's not even like he was taken in 2010. He was taken in 2016, which is still crazy. He's technically still in his rookie contract years. Um, Bobby, I guess just to get right into Corey Coleman, the big macro observation that I have about Corey Coleman, you know, he tore his ACL last year. Um, I'm sure maybe you're going to get into some of his stats. He doesn't have that many stats, but Corey Coleman, if he did not tear his ACL and if he did not have that season ending injury last year, uh, he had the year that Darius Slayton has, and he's taking the Giants by storm by being the number three wide receiver, by being the deep threat. Um, that was his expectation, and that was the kind of uh, expectation that that Pat Shermer coaching staff had. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. The stats he ran, he was a first round, a former first round pick, and for kind of good reason. I mean, he had 20 touchdown catches at Baylor, and I get Baylor runs a high flying offense, but so does every offense in college football nowadays, especially the Big 12. He had 73 catches, uh, like 1,300 yards, 20 touchdowns. Blue, like, impressed at the combine, 4'4, 240, 40 and a half inch vertical jump. So, and like his first game with the with the Browns, he kind of impressed, and then it was just kind of downhill from there. I mean, and you know his rookie year, um, he had thirty three catches, four hundred thirteen yards, three touchdowns. Uh, his second year, twenty three catches, three hundred three yards, two touchdowns. He missed thirteen games in both those seasons. So, but the bad number is forty five point two percent catch percentage his rookie year, thirty nine point seven his second year. Now. He made an, uh, an appearance on Hard Knocks when he complained that he wasn't starting. They traded him to the Bills. Things don't work out with the Bills. The Bills cut him. The Patriots bring him in for a cup of coffee. And then the Giants finally bring him mm-hmm. in to play some special teams. They let him play a little wide receiver. He had five catches, 71 yards for us, um, and not much playing time. But showed some of that like rookie promise that he had, that speed, that ability to go up and make some contested catches. Justin, like you said, he was slated to be the number three wide receiver. It was between him and Cody Latimer. And myself, like most fans, probably would have picked Corey Coleman. I mean, I was picking Corey Coleman to be that guy. And Darius Slayton was the guy going into last year. Like, hey, give him 10 reps a game to go stretch the field, make some plays. And then if he proves it, he proves it. So I do think Slayton probably eventually would have uh, uh, overtaken Coleman. Because, I mean, he overtook Latimer pretty quickly. But, I mean, Coleman, while... There's not a ton to go off. Like the expectations were high, and then the ACL tears, and we're looking at wide receivers. I don't know what to expect from him this year, but I I think I'm slating him at wide receiver four at, at this point. Yeah, I, I would certainly agree with you. And going back to that expectation point, or there how there wasn't any expectation, but the coaching staff was certainly putting an expectation on him before he suffered that injury. And there are a few players every summer. 
I feel Evan Ingram is a guy this summer that Joe Judge and this coaching staff, they're putting an expectation on him, you know, with some of Joe Judge's quotes that we've heard, you know, oh, I enjoy watching you practice every day, so don't disappoint us. I feel like there's a couple guys every summer that a coaching staff will hype up, whether that's intentionally or whether that's the social media team that just puts out videos, but Corey Coleman was that guy last summer. He's been quiet. Um, I don't really know if we have full confirmation on where he's been lining up and who he's been lining up with. That's intentional because that's Joe Judge. Uh, but Bobby, the year in 2018, I think the game that gives you the most promise, which, by the way, there was only uh, there was only one, two, three, four games in 2018 where he had a catch, and the game that he had the most catches in was two, and it was against Washington in 2018. He caught some deep balls down the sideline, so that's those are the plays that get you most excited about what Coleman can do. Um, so... I'm with you. I don't really I don't really know what to expect because also as a fan, I look at Coleman it's like I don't really have that many ex I don't really have that much expectations for you. Uh especially when you're coming off that ACL. I'll say it again. The fantasy data shows you need 2 years removed from an ACL injury to where you're at, you are at your peak physical condition and peak physical form. So, excited for Corey Coleman in 2021, but hey, if he does anything great and spectacular, that'll surprise me, and I'm rooting for that. But if he doesn't, won't be surprised. Yeah, well, I mean, he's looked good in clips and 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 things like that. The the issue though is that oh, we don't have expectations. Well, who are the other wide receivers after the big three? It's hmm. it's Corey Coleman, uh, David Sills, who's been emerging a little bit, and then those undrafted free agents of Austin Mack, Benjamin Victor, Derek Dillon, and really none of those guys um, has separated themselves. I guess um, Alex Bachman and and uh, and uh, um, sales and uh, yeah, and sales are the ones that have been like popping out from you know from what the media has said. So, um, while we may put a ton in those scrimmages, um, you know what? That's just another practice for them. So someone may have their best game in one of those scrimmages, but they've been like the fifth guy all through all the other practices. So I mean, definitely going to be fun for us to formulate takes, but it's a it's a, it's a wide open room, and I don't think anyone had like. A leg up over each other um, in this for this wide receiver four and five spots. Yeah, in a way, um, would you say that wide receiver four and five, where you know, I guess it's not that glorious to talk about in terms of depth chart, but I think if I wanted to be at camp, the camp battle that would be most fun to watch because of the talent that you feel is there. I honestly do feel it would be wide receiver in four and five. I did like an Instagram Q&A today, and I think somebody did ask, what is the camp battle that you're most looking forward to watch? Well, first of all, we can't really see anything. But second of all, I think wide receiver four and five. That's very exciting because of the, you think the talent that is there with all those guys that you listed. Wide receiver is always the most fun position to watch in the preseason. That's where guys make plays. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I would slay Coleman as wide receiver four as of now. Um, and that's just a lot because we haven't got to see much at camps, but, uh, maybe, maybe Sills or somebody will, will overtake them. So like I said, 26 years old, five foot 11, four, four, two, 40, 40 and a half inch vertical jump unreal college production. Um, you know what? Like I get that the, the whole idea of like not giving up on a first rounder, it's like a, you know, it's like kind of a funny joke. It's like, if a guy's been drafted in the first round, people just never give up on him. But you know what? I kind of get it, you know? A guy has 74 catches, 1,300 yards, 20 touchdowns, 18 yards per catch, and then blows away the combine. That that con- continues to like give me hope, especially when he has um some kick returner ability too. Yeah. Oh, whoa! We forgot about that. That's good. Good. Uh, 
good pickup right there. Um, you know, we're thinking Corey Coleman could be a guy that's returning kicks and or punts. Uh, Javon Leak is also another candidate in there too. And then there's nobody that really comes to mind. Deion Lewis, maybe, sure. Um, so in kick kick returns and punt returns going to be interested interested to see who can fill that role. Um, and if Coleman, if they feel comfortable enough throwing him out there, you know, like like we said, coming off that ACL injury. All right, let's take a break and move on to Jabril Peppers. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, Justin, let's talk about Jabril Peppers. 5'11", 213 pounds, 24 years old. Was taken in the first round with the 23rd overall pick in 2017. I think this is the last guy we were talking about in PPPs who was a part of the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. So there's that. Justin with the Giants in 11 games. He obviously uh, got injured towards the end of the year, but he had 76 tackles, five tackles for a loss, three forced fumbles, and an interception. It's hard to do the 16-game rate with uh, you know fumbles and interceptions, but he was on pace for 111 tackles. Justin, I said this um, until he got hurt, obviously. Jabril Peppers was the biggest playmaker for the Giants' defense in 2019. No, he absolutely was. And even going back to the summer and certain reports that we were hearing just about the leader that he was, he was the leader of that defense and basically set the tone and set the energy uh, for that group. So Jabril Peppers being added in 2019 was absolutely wonderful and was really fun to watch him play. I think he'll be the captain this year. Yeah, he could be. He could be. That that wouldn't that would not surprise me at all. It's really a toss up, I think, between him and Golden. However, Golden, I'm saying that because I have a bias towards Marcus Golden, but if I'm saying realistically, I think the two guys with the best chance on the defensive side of the ball is Blake Martinez and Jabril Peppers. But, Bobby, a, a fun fact just about Jabril Peppers, and if you're from the state of New Jersey, you obviously know this, but Jabril Peppers went to Paramus Catholic High School. He also went to Don Bosco for the first one to two years, maybe his freshman and sophomore year, but then he transferred over to Paramus, uh, Paramus Catholic High School in Paramus, New Jersey. He won a state championship in all four of his years uh, as a high school player, which is kind of bananas, which is kind of nuts. Uh, arguably is the greatest athlete in New Jersey high school football history and arguably, you know, one of the greatest uh, co uh, college uh, high school football athletes uh, of all time. The hype around him and what he was going to do and what he was going to bring to Michigan because uh, even he broke records uh, for track, and, you know, when he was when he was running track, he even broke high school, New Jersey State high school records there. So the hype that was coming out of Jabril Peppers in high school was absolutely insane. And you can make an argument that there hasn't been more hype coming out of a for a single player coming out of high school ever. Yeah, I don't know. I when I think of New Jersey, you know, high school football, I think of guys like Richie Incognito. Greg Olson, Scott Simonson, um, Eric Ebron, Mark Ingram, <laughs> Malcolm Jenkins, Joe Flacco. Um, I mean, Mika Fitzpatrick, he's on there. Yeah. Corey Clement, Deion Dawkins. John Hillman. Olson Pierre, Giants legend. Sean Chandler, Giants legend. John Hillman. Uh, do we even really want to call him an NFL player? Anyways, yeah. Jabril Peppers. <sighs> now, with the McKinney news, I don't think it changes a ton about – Actually, I do think it changes a decent amount. It, it does. I really think it does. Because I thought they'd play Peppers in a more of a free safety role. But at the same time, they've been using Julian Love in that free safety role uh, in camp. So I definitely think 
Jabril Peppers is going to be playing in the box. I think that's where he'll mainly be, um, playing up towards the line of scrimmage more. Um, even if they start out in too high, I think he'll you'll see him coming down uh, more often. But I will say with what Love showed and what McK- we believe McKinney is, even when he gets back, but I think the same with both, I think he's going to be playing deep a little bit. I think they're really going to like not like nail guys into roles where last year it was Peppers plays up, Bethea plays deep. Yeah, uh, what's what's uh, Joe Judge's favorite phrase? Square pegs and round holes? They're not going to be doing that. So I will say I've been worried round about... Round pegs and square holes. Round pegs, square holes. Eh, Think yeah, about yeah. it. I will say... Think about it. OnlyFans, plastic bars. Um, I will say um, I've been worried pretty much all offseason since we drafted McKinney. Now very happy with McKinney in that draft choice, um, but just worried about who is going to play that free safety spot. I'm not... As worried, but also let's see what happens on the field. It's still a concern that's in the back of my mind. Jabril Peppers, in his rookie year in 2017, he did play 80% of his snaps at free safety, which I thought was very curious because in the NFL Combine, when Jabril Peppers, uh, before Jabril Peppers was drafted, NFL teams didn't know which spot that he was going to play. He actually worked out at both linebacker and safety. What about corner? Which is kind of shot. He did not work out a corner, um, even though his trainer, he's, yeah, even though his his trainer, uh, Bobby, we, we discussed this on the Dan Duggan interview. Trainers are going to hype up your guy. Um, Hey, can your, can your guy jump 75 feet and, uh, jump to the moon? They're going to say yes. So, uh, I'm not shocked by the, by the trainer getting asked a question and then saying, yes, my guy can do that. Um, but we should do that next year with like, we'll get like a third string running backs trainer and be like, what are the limits with this guy? And is just, this guy the next Barry Sanders? That is actually an idea we need to remember. I need to write down. All right, so go on. Sorry for uh, interrupting you, but I'm going to write down. No, it's it, it's okay. But it was just curious to see that that's how Cleveland was using him, definitely in his first year, but even in his first uh, in his first two years, I want to say no. In in his first, it was curious how they used him in 2017 as rookie year. But then what they did in 2018, Bobby, is they kind of left him defined at a more singular role. Now, in my opinion, I think the strong safety position is versatile within itself where you don't need to be, you know, playing a guy both at free safety, strong safety. So in 2018 and 2019, even though Peppers was pretty much defined at that strong safety spot, I liked him in that role because you can be in the box. You can be 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. You can basically be lining up as a linebacker, as a money backer. So strong safety allows you to be versatile enough without without asking a player to do too much, I feel, so it's going to be interesting to see because in 2017 when Peppers was the free safety for most of the snaps in Cleveland, he did struggle a little bit, but that was also his rookie season. And he has grown tremendously, tremendously, especially in coverage from that point. 2019 was his best year in coverage. So I have those numbers in front of me. Would you like me to get into those numbers, Bobby? Um, no, because you're talking too long. I want, I, I want, I want to stay on your point, uh, hit on your point that the whole strong safety, free safety, I hope and maybe think that with the way Love plays, with the way McKinney plays when he gets back, with the way Peppers plays, and because they are pretty similar players, I really think, and this is going to sound like like football guy-ish, but I don't think we're going to have free safeties and strong safeties. I think we're going to have left safety and right safety, and they're going to be doing different types of, having different types of responsibilities on different plays. Uh, I really, I really hope and think that because of what our safeties can do. Obviously, that's asking them to do a ton, but you know what? On this defense that lacks playmakers, I'm not 
I'm not gonna feel bad for asking the actual playmakers to do a ton. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you 100 because this is the area that you honestly feel best at. So asking these guys to fulfill a role and you know overexceed their expectations, I feel that that's not a stretch, and they sure they certainly should have that requirement put on them. Bobby, in terms of his coverage stats, maybe we'll. I want to start. Uh, we'll we'll talk about his run defense too, because I think even that's slightly um, underrated, especially coming off of Landon Collins, where his rush deep, his run defense uh, was so good. But let's talk about him in coverage for a second. Played 11 games last year and 16 games in 2018, so you need to remember that as well. His completion percentage was slightly higher in 2019. Nothing really to be concerned about, but his yards per completion allowed was an entire yard. Um, under an entire yard less than it was from 2018. His yards per target was slightly less. He only allowed one touchdown to 2019 versus five. So that's why his quarterback rating on pro football reference, that's going to look a lot better because you're not allowing as much touchdowns. His average depth of target, which he was targeted, was over two yards less in 2019 compared to 2018. So, and, in, and even let's even talk about this. Can you remember a play? At, let's 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 slow down on the numbers for a second. Can you remember a yeah. play where Jabril Peppers is like, "Damn it, bad play in coverage." Obviously, there was there was catches allowed where you know it was underneath and ended up being an eight yard pass. Might have even been a first down, but there wasn't a. And I can do it with basically every player on that defense that plays in coverage. I don't remember a single play where I was like, "Oh my gosh, that guy screwed us." I can remember plays of Ogletree, Mayo, um, every single corner, Antoine Bethea. Um, but I just, I don't remember a play with Peppers where it's like, damn, he screwed us. I just remember him making plays, forcing fumbles, getting an interception on fat Dwayne Haskins and returning it for an interception. Yeah, that's a great point. And I was hoping you would actually bring that up because I know that is a point that you usually like to go to where it's, Hey, you know, uh, take away numbers, take away this, take away that. Do you remember there being a big play where this guy uh, gave up and it's no for Jabril Peppers? It's no. And even some of his pass rushing numbers, he was sent on 51 blitzes in 2018 and he only had one QB hurry, three quarterback knockdowns, five pressures. He was sent on 27 blitzes, which is a lot less, in 2019, but three QB hurries, two quarterback knockdowns, six pressures, so that's that's an additional pressure. So, good. Good. He's a versatile, very, very good player. They Bobby, didn't really uh, blitz him at all either. No, no, it, like 27 times you feel like that's not that's not a ton. I remember there definitely being a pressure in the Jets game. I remember them sending him, sending him quite a lot in that Jets game, which that was kind of fun to see. Bobby, I think he's an underrated um, run defender. Underrated? I feel like that's. I feel like he's properly rated. I feel like everyone knows how good of a run defender he is. Yeah, because there were. I mean, I don't know because I actually had to refresh myself on. Hey, you know, he's how, a beast. How, yeah, how good? He's I had violent, to refresh and myself. He's aggressive. I mean, think yeah. about the Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin Cook outside run, and he just boom, just knocks homeboy out. Adam Thielen and and screws up the play. Um, forcing fumbles, stopping, you know, stopping a big play uh, in that game. So, um, I don't know, too. I mean, obviously, the whole underrated, overrated, properly rated kind of straw man. But, yeah, I feel like I was very happy with Jabril Peppers in the run game. Yeah, because even I even think back to that Arizona Cardinals game where we just got cooked. We just got cooked in that Cardinals game with those long stretch plays. We just didn't have guys going sideline to sideline. So there were some plays where Jabril Peppers, he was lining up right next to Alec Ogletree, and he was actually lining up straight across from the center. And there were plays where Jabril Peppers was making, he was patient, but he was putting his head down. He was making good tackles, you know, 
tackling guys across the ankles, um, biting the ball, and he was making really good plays in the run game in that Arizona game. I remember there being uh, a play in that Dallas game where it was like a stretch play. It was out of the shotgun. It was going to the right side. Jabril Peppers really does a good job of ripping past Jason Witten. He gets, I guess, what do the scouts call it? He gets skinny. Um, he gets skinny, rips past, uh, rips past Jason Witten, and even attempts to make a play on Ezekiel Elliott there. I think Dexter Lawrence actually made that play. I, I had to refresh myself. That was my main point about how good Jabril Peppers was in the run game, because especially stemming off of Landon Collins, I think we were, we were spoiled in that regard. But Jabril Peppers is just a much more complete player overall. Yeah, he really is, man. I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he's like coming back um, a second year with the Giants. Obviously not the same system, but I think I think Patrick Graham is really going to have a ton of fun with our safeties. And that, you know, I hate to be Debbie Downer, but that's what sucks about losing McKinney is the one thing on the defense I was definitely looking forward to. It's like, I just can't wait to see those three guys work together. I'm still excited for him and love, but not having those three guys, uh, it's going to, it's going to be, uh, it's going to, you know, have a little FOMO with it, Justin. Um, but yeah, Peppers, I think he's going to be the team captain. I think he's the best playmaker on the Giants defense, man. And, uh, he's, uh, you know, there's a reason we, we saved him for this late because I think he's a huge member of this Giants team. Forced three fumbles last year. Did not know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember the one in Minnesota, uh, but three. Can you remember the pretty, other ones? It's pretty darn good. No, I cannot remember the other ones. I, I, you know, I'm definitely not looking it up right now. I'm just, I'm just jogging the memory. Um, what games did he have a forced home fumble in? Like, I know he did the Minnesota game. Detroit, he had one. Uh, I remember okay. that. And then Dallas, he had one. Oh, remember okay. the one uh, Anton Bethea recovered it, I believe. Oh. All right, so I guess this can be our, our final question of this PPP because we're saying, and I feel this Giants defense has a lot of average to good players. And and you can even say this about this Giants team. There's a lot of good to average players where there's no one that you're looking at on this roster as of right now where you're saying, that guy's a Curtis Riley, where he's just going to be an absolute detriment to this team, I guess besides cornerback too, because we're so uncertain about right. that. That's why I tap um, my mic on. <laughs> Besides cornerback too, there's not really a spot on this roster where you're like, this guy is going to be a pure detriment and uh, really going to cost this team this year. I will say I'm giving so, Ballantyne a chance. I, I do like Ballantyne, but I get what you're saying. We also have no other choice but to give Ballantyne a chance, which is unfortunate. Go out and sign Ross Cockrell Giants. But so where are we at in terms of what are we expecting Jabril Peppers and I'm not asking you to be totally analytical right now, Bobby, or be like, oh, I want this, I want this number, I want him to do this. But just what are we expecting Jabril Peppers to be? And how much of a jump are we expecting him to take, judging that he's, you know, he's approaching getting a new contract, possibly? And also, we need a stud on this defense, whether that's a pass rusher, whether that's somebody in the secondary. We need somebody to step up and be more of a playmaker on this Giants defense if we're really going to take a step up as a football team. Yeah. Overall playmaker, he's going to have a hundred plus tackles, tackles for a loss, force fun. Like what he did last year in his time. Like it's it's not like he's going to be a seven interception guy. He's not going to be a Jamal Adams six seven sack guy. He's just a playmaker. Whichever way you want to use him, that's the way we can use him. So, um, this Cleveland Browns to the New York Giants episode has been really fun. The Cleveland Browns are scum. Actually, I don't really hate Cleveland. I just really don't like Baker Mayfield. I actually think Cleveland people are pretty funny. All right, we'll see you guys next week and enjoy the scrimmage. Until then, let's go Big Blue.